If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at a verse in Galatians chapter 5 today. We started a series a couple of weeks ago. Let me bring you up to speed. We have a lot of guests today. Welcome to you. Thank you for being here. We talked about the fact that if you abide with Christ, if you kind of live in a, a relationship with Him, then you get some benefits. And the benefits are this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we're going to talk about, in fact, every, day, every Sunday we're talking about one different one of uh, these aspects of this. It's interesting it talks about it as the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. And so this is basically the character of who God is, and the closer we get to God, the more we have it in our lives. And today we're talking about peace. How do you have peace in your life? Because we live in a world which is pretty unpeaceful. In fact, we, we, it always been that way. There are 4,000 years of recorded uh, history as far as humanity goes. And of those 4,000 years, there's about 200 years where there wasn't war. And they were just reloading. Uh, you know, it's kind of like they're getting ready for the next war. And so uh, you hear peace, you hear the word kind of thrown around a lot. If you, go to a, if you ever watch a beauty pageant, what's the great, you know, the answer every beauty pageant contestant has is, uh, I, I'm for world peace, and I'm sure they are, and it's a great answer. There's a guy by the name of Ron Artest. Does anybody remember him? He used to play basketball for the Lakers, which in and of itself is horrible. And uh, uh, he played for the Lakers. He was really, really mean and kind of dirty. And so in order to change his image, he changed his name. Does anybody remember what he changed his name to? Meta World Peace. And he fouled like crazy after that was over. It didn't change a thing. All right, so you did good. Keith, I knew you would get that. He went to China and played... And he changed his name another, one more time. Does anybody know what he changed his name to while he was in China? Panda's Friend. Uh, that's what he called himself. Who doesn't want to be Panda's Friend? I saw a car one time driving. I'm so, I see this car and it has a bumper sticker. And so I, I'm assuming if you put a bumper sticker on your car, you want me to read it. That's fair. Don't you think that's fair? You should assume, if you're my age, you can't read it unless you get really close. So I got really close, and it said, visualize world peace. Well, he wasn't visualizing world peace with that gesture he was giving me. I can tell you that right now. And I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to visualize world peace? I was visualizing you should have a bigger bumper sticker. But anyway, visualize world peace. And so I, I don't always know how to define it, but I do know what it is. It, it is... Something that we all want. Everybody wants peace. Now, it could be physical. I want some peace in my, in my body. I, I'd like you know, my body to function the right way. We want it physically. We want it relationally. We want peace with God. And a, and a lot of, I mean, when you get my age, you start to think about retirement and that kind of thing. I, I want peace in my retirement. I mean, have you ever thought about it? I mean, don't you really want to have a, a peaceful retirement? I mean, we do. We, we'd like to kick back, you know, drink some uh, prune juice daiquiris, you know, uh, uh, annoy your kids. I mean, it's kind of it's what we think. Now, there's this notion that peace is just the so absence of problems. If I don't have problems, I have peace. But it's really hard to avoid problems. There's a guy named Job, he wrote this in the Bible, and it's kind of a cool verse. He said, people are born for trouble. <laughs> people are born for trouble. As readily as sparks fly up from a fire, this is just going to happen. And so how do we have peace in the midst of conflict? 
And so I would define peace this way. It's, it's a gift from God of being able to be serene in the midst of conflict, in the midst of difficulty. We all know, we know people who just kind of crumble when the pressure's on. They just sort of, they, they just can't handle it. A little pressure, they, they kind of go, they're just not good. Uh, then we also know people who are really good under pressure. A couple weeks ago, we had a, a men's prayer breakfast that happens every Saturday, every first Saturday of uh, every month, the first Saturday of every month. And uh, we had a, a guy named Daniel. Daniel's here today. Daniel volunteered <laughs> to be our cook for that day. And he's the only one here, and he gets you know, the code to come in and the key, and he gets in, and, and uh, I'm, I'm on my way, I'm coming, and, and he calls me, and he says, Pastor, do you know where there's a spatula? I'm making pancakes, and I can't flip the pancakes. Like, dude, I don't, like, what do I know about where stuff is? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, Daniel, sorry. And so we hang up, and about literally two minutes later, I get another phone call from Daniel. I'm like, dude, I don't know where, the, I don't know where they are. Like, the last two minutes, I haven't re- remembered. He says, <laughs> second phone call, uh, do you know how to turn off the fire alarm? Uh, that, was, that was interesting. He's like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that either. Now, what I like about Daniel is when I got here, I, I had no idea. It's like, oh, my word, I, who, there's no telling what I'm going to find. E- everything was, was in place, and Daniel had figured out, because he's really, really smart, he had figured out how to turn the fire alarm off. I would have never figured it out, frankly. He figured it out. Um, he had a nice conversation with the fire department when they came, uh, you know, they, uh, invited them back for pancakes later. Um, th- there are some people who are just... <laughs> Uh, as Andy Griffith would say, they're cool as center seat of a cucumber. They, they just they maintain a sense of peace even when it's difficult, even in the midst of problems. And Jesus offers us that. In fact, he, he said this. Now, understand something. Let me set up the text for you. Let me set up when he said it because it's really important. Uh, when you get to John 14 or so, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his crucifixion. It's about to happen. Uh, John, toward the end, that's how all of them are, actually all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all kind of talk about the life of Christ and then co- sort of preparation for his final week and then uh, his crucifixion and then there's some about his resurrection. It's kind of how it works on all of them. And so John is the same, and this is kind of the middle of the book, and it's to the point where he's, he's preparing his disciples for when he's about to leave. He's going to be crucified, he's going to be buried, he's going to be resurrected, he's going to go in, back into heaven, he's going to ascend. And so he's preparing his disciples, and he says to them, and that would apply to us too, by the way, but he says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I've told you. And so it's really important to remember what Jesus says if we're going to have peace. And then he says, I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives. Two really important things here that we need to see. If we're going to have godly peace, it's going to originate with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit living in us will help us live in peace even amidst problems. Really important. The second thing that we need to understand about this is there is an idea. People who aren't followers of Christ have an idea about what peace looks like. And so they'll tell you, um, it's kind of about circumstances. If you're wealthy enough you'll have peace. Well, that's not really true, but that's, what, that's kind of the messaging. Or if you're popular enough, you'll have peace. I did a, I did a um, 
interview, mock interviews with eighth graders of two, three years ago, and it was really interesting to me. They kept saying, several of them kept saying, you know, what do you want to, the interview was, what do you want to become? What do you want to do? And they wanted to become influencers. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then I found out later, oh, uh, there are influencers on like TikTok and, and, and uh, online where you can you know, influence people. And so you, you do makeup things and people, uh, you know, uh, subscribe to you. And, and, and it's in, the, the idea is if I'm popular enough, I'll have peace. Well, ask anybody that's really popular how peaceful they are or uh, if they're famous, it doesn't bring peace. People will say, well, if I'm healthy... That'll bring peace. I'm not sure that always works either. If I'm married, I mean, there's a lot of ideas around if I'm with somebody, I'm going to have peace. Well, it doesn't... It, it's like an infomercial that oversells and underdelivers. Have you ever seen an infomercial and you're thinking, it doesn't work that way? Like, like the, the commercial will say, you can lose 10 pounds overnight with sleep away. And you're like, no, it doesn't work that way. Or you could be a millionaire by Monday with embezzle.com. You know, it's like... Uh, that might work that way. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that works that way. But there's a piece that is offered to us that is kind of fake, kind of fool's gold, if you will. Now, there are minor annoyances in life, and, and I've, I've got a list of mine. Minor enemies of peace. There's things that kind of, they, they annoy me. It's not, they're not big. They're just annoying. Um, I've got a list. You probably have a list. I've got a, I got a minor list. I've got a major list. On my minor list, little things that annoy me, they're not that big a deal. Uh, people that drive in the left lane that don't pass, that's on my list. Um, that's a law now, you can't do that. Did you all know that in South Carolina? Are you excited about that? How many of you have been tempted to narc on somebody? Uh, you know, it's like they're driving in the left lane, you're calling the popo. Uh, you know, you're, you're ready to get them in trouble. Okay, so that one for me is on the list. When I'm walking in the mall, this is on my list too. When I'm walking in the mall, and, and you know, the mall, there's only so much, and then there's a family or there's a group, and they, they cover the whole thing, and you can't get past them. That's annoying. Uh, that steals my peace a little bit. Oh, this one. I, I'm driving, and I go to some place. I go to, like, Lowe's or, or Home Depot, because that's really the only place I ever go. And uh, I go there, and, and there's a great parking spot. It, it's, like, it's like it's cloudy day, but there's one beam of light shining right there on that parking spot, and you're far away, but you see it, and there are other people, but you, you are aggressive, because that's what Jesus wants, and uh, uh, you drive over there, and that's where all the carts are, they put all the carts, you know, the return carts, and you can't park there, I hate that, I hate that, it's annoying. Now, I did some scientific research, by that, I mean, I posted a question online on Facebook, and um, I asked some people, what are some minor annoyances? What's on your minor enemies list? You know, enemies of peace list. And here, here are some. Uh, people with too many items in the 20 item or less lane. Yeah, that's annoying. Uh, when somebody opens a container of something new before the old container is empty. Yeah, that's annoying. Uh, people on their phones at the checkout line. Don't do that. That's really annoying. Loud chewers made the list. I'm not really ever around loud chewers, but if you're a loud chewer, stop that. Uh, you're annoying people, just so you know. Telemarketers, not popular. Um, there are a lot of no Nazi gr uh, grammar Nazis uh, online. You know, improper grammar. <laughs> Come on, man. We is who he is. You know, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, living in a house full of boys who don't put the toilet seat down. I would think boys who don't put the toilet seat up uh, are even worse. That's just my thinking. You th you'll get it. Um, 
People who don't use their blinkers, yeah, that is annoying. Not replacing the toilet paper roll. Uh, that was from Miriam. Uh, I, I don't know, that was, that's not good. <laughs> and then somebody said the Duke Blue Devils, which is way true. So that, those, Now, those are kind of minor things. We all have them. You know, it's a little something that it just it kind of tweaks you a little bit. But now, there are also major enemies of peace. Stress. Stress is a big one. I mean, it really is. Stress will rob your peace faster than anything. Now, you're lucky. You live in South Carolina. This is a pretty non-stress state. I, I looked it up. We're about 34th on the stress list. That's way down. Does anybody want to venture a guess as to what's the, what is the most stressful state to live in? Anybody? New, that's funny. No, it's not New York. California. Not California. I would think that too. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, what happens there evidently doesn't stay there. And, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of stress involved, <laughs> I guess. The least stressful state, anybody? Not Hawaii. Montana, this is a great guess. South Dakota. Uh, all seven people there uh, are stress-free. It's great. But there's a lot of, a lot of stress, right? Uh, it really takes our joy away. Noise. Noise can take your joy away. We like it. We are addicted to noise. I don't know if you know this, but we are Americans. We really like noise. You'll go in a room. You get in your car. What's the first thing? You turn the radio on. You uh, turn the talk radio on. You do something. We're, we're kind of addicted to noise. Now, it, it stresses us out. It causes us unpeace, but we're addicted to it. I was listening to a book on the way to church this morning. The nice thing about, <laughs> I come in pretty early, and the nice thing about driving early on a Sunday morning is there's not a lot of people out. So you can kind of, Kind of just chill while you're driving. And I, I was listening to a book by Bob Goff, a really good book. And um, I, he's funny, and I like him, and I was kind of listening. But then I thought, you know, it'd be nice to turn this off and just not have noise for a minute or two. And so for about 10 minutes, you, you just being alone with your thoughts, coming to church, noise can steal our peace. Information can steal our peace. Wow. It can really, really steal your peace. I, I read a really interesting article. There's a guy by the name of Phil Reed who did some research on this. Social media like um, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, whatever you're looking at, we get addicted to that a little bit, and so it causes us stress. And so if we're not careful, we get stressed. And then what's really interesting about his research is looking at social media gives me stress, and then I get off of it, and not being on it gives me stress because I'm not on it. It's kind of this vicious cycle. I get on it, and I lose my mind. You know, I get all stressed out. I lose my peace. And then when I'm off of it, I have to get back on it. And it's this vicious cycle, this information overload. Relationships, they cause us a lot of stress and a lot of unpeace. Um, if it wasn't for people, life would be easy, you know, really, if you think about it. Uh, I had a guy one time... As a preacher, you just you deal with people. You know, it's kind of what we do. And, and I had a guy one time come up after church, and he said, Pastor, your message today reminded me of the mercy of God. And I'm like, oh, it's nice. It's so nice. And I said, that's so nice. And he said, really, it's not nice. The mercy of God is never ending, and I didn't think you were ever going to shut up. Uh, so people, yeah, people, you know, people just aren't always that nice to you. And so you know, relationship conflicts are tough, and they can really steal your joy. They can steal your peace. Uh, me, oh, me, not me, but you, uh, you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a giver of joy. Uh, no, uh, but, but uh, I know that uh, sometimes dealing with myself 
is tough and it can steal my peace. Now those are major ones. These are super duper uh, enemies of peace. These three are really kind of important. Fear has a lot to do with the future. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And so it really steals my peace because, and it is really, really easy right now to have fear. Look, you've got COVID, you've got the things going on in the world, uh, you've got uh, political unrest, uh, Afghanistan, you've got, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that, we, it's easy to be afraid, it really is. Uh, there's uncertainty. And so fear is oftentimes about what's coming up. And then anger, you kind of get mad at today, what's happening now. And, it, and if you um, have a tendency to fly off the handle easy, this is, really steals your peace. And then uh, guilt, uh, guilt, that's about your past. And so all these things can steal your peace. Now, the Lord doesn't want us to live like that, and we don't want to live like that, so we figure out ways to cope. One of the ways we cope is we worry. Uh, anybody in here ever worry, uh, I wonder? Um, uh, let me give you an example. You, you get a sniffle, and so what do you do? Well, you go to WebMD, of course. Uh, you know, you're going to kind of ha have to self-diagnose, and then you're looking at it, right? You're looking at uh, all your symptoms, and you figure out you don't have any medical expert helping you, but you figure out you have a new variant of covid there's Delta, you got united, uh, and uh, uh, yours is the worst ever, and you're going to die in about three hours. And, and we do this to ourselves. We, we get all worried, and we get uh, kind of messed up. Control is another way we try to cope. Con control is when I think, if I can manage everything, nothing will go wrong. If I can manage it, nothing will go wrong. But I, I've lived long enough to understand that I can't manage everything. A couple years ago, my family and I, we were traveling from here to Houston. We were going to work uh, on a mission trip, just my family and me. And we, were, we stopped in, I think it was Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm almost sure that's right. We stopped for lunch, and you know, our car's packed because we're going to we're going, uh, be gone for a week. We had stuff in the car. and Now, the control part of me, I, I think when I park, so I was thinking, okay, Daddy always told me you don't want to park next to a lot of people because they'll ding your doors. So you park kind of away, and you get out of the way. And, and I was trying to control the situation. I didn't really want anybody to ding my doors, so I parked away a little bit. We went in. We had lunch. When we came back out, somebody had broken our windows and taken our stuff. Not all of our stuff. Uh, just my daughter's stuff, which was worse than taking my stuff because I don't have anything worth anything. And they took her camera, and they took her computer, and I was trying to control the situation, and I just didn't do it right. Or I controlled it the way I thought, but that wasn't right. And we can try to control things, but it doesn't take away the chance of, being, of losing our peace. Another one is we consume. <laughs> this one is really, really popular. If we have enough resources financially, we think we can buy our way into peace. And so we think of things to buy. You know, I've got my eye on a, a watch. Uh, you've seen these probably. Uh, it's a watch. It, it, it keeps up with your steps and your, and your uh, heart rate and your blood pressure and your blood oxygen level. 
and if you have a heart attack, it does the things and uh, shocks you back awake, and it's perfect, it's great. Uh, it tells you when you're being too sedentary, and it calls you uh, a, a flabby boy, uh, and uh, uh, it's perfect, it's great. You know, it says, hey, get up, flabby boy, and, and stuff like that. Uh, now, uh, I'm thinking, wow, if I purchase that, uh, that that'll give me peace. Yeah, that's, that's peaceful. Doesn't it sound peaceful? Uh, I had a friend... <laughs> I'm going to tell you this story, and this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He had a 12-year-old son who bugged him like every day for a set of drums. Dad, I need a set of drums. Um, I could worship the Lord with a set of drums. I can't worship without drums. You know, kind of, you know I need some drums. I need drums every day. I need drums. He, he, it was like a, a, a drum beat, uh, pardon the pun. Uh, uh, I need drums. I need drums. And so... <laughs> This next sentence I'm going to tell you, think about how stupid it is. In order to get peace, he bought his son drums. Think about how stupid that is. We do stupid things. He should have bought him some white gloves and told him to be a mime. Uh, uh, we, we, we think we can buy our way out. And then if we don't want to do any of these, we don't want to worry, we don't control, or we don't uh, consume, then we just procrastinate. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to kick the can down the road. That's certainly isn't a formula for peace. And so I'm going to offer you some cowboy theology today. When the horse is dead, dismount. We try these things and they don't work. And so maybe we should do something else. Again, Jesus put it this way. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send you will teach you everything. He'll remind you of everything I've ever told you. I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. Not the way the world gives peace. Not, not the other way. Now, we spend a lot of time on this. By the way, there's one more. We, we detach. So, um, let's say you're really not enjoying your work, and the way you, you get peace is you go on vacation. You detach. I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to go do something else. And we go on vacation, and it's a good time, and you have a week of vacation. But when you come back, your job is still there. The problems are still there. You're just, you just are broke. All you've done, you've detached for a week, and you spent money on a vacation. Or we'll do it with people. Um, we, we don't want to invest the time to develop the relationship, so we just basically detach. We separate from people. And, and that doesn't bring us peace either. Now, the Bible uses words about God, or we have ideas around God. Um, we talk about God being omniscient. He's all-knowing. We talk about God being omnipresent. He's everywhere. We talk about God being omnipotent. These are kind of these big words, kind of churchy words. That means he's all-powerful. Kind of the old-school word was he's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And it's really important to understand that God knows what He's doing. And so, with that understanding, let's understand this. If I'm going to live at God's peace, there's a couple things I need to do. Number one, I've got to lean into Him. I have to understand, He knows what He's doing. He's got everything under control. Uh, the Bible says it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to His loved ones. That can be translated a different way. God is still at work even while you're asleep. It's a really cool way to translate that. God is still at work even while you're asleep. And I look at that verse in the context. I, I, this whole Afghanistan thing really bothers me because there are Christians 
who live in Afghanistan and for a while they've been protected for years now and now all of a sudden a new regime has taken over and Christians in countries like that, Afghanistan isn't the only one, I'm just going to talk about that one today. But Christians in that environment are facing persecution and death because of their faith. None of us, I don't think any of us, have ever experienced anything like that. And I'm thinking, okay, when... If there's a pastor in Afghanistan today and he says, the way to have God's peace is to lean into God, how would that look for them? Because it would look different than it does for us. But how does it look for us? How does it look for them? Here's what I know. Too many of us have gone all in on this life. Like, this is it. Um, if we were playing poker, we put all our chips in the middle, and I don't know a lot about playing poker, but if we put all our chips in the middle and we say, this, is it. this life is everything, I'm going to really focus on this life. The Bible never tells us to do that, by the way. Now, I like life. I, I have had a good life. I've got four daughters. I love every one of them. I, I love going to ball games. All of my girls played stuff. They all played lots of stuff. I have been... If you get to heaven for sitting on a bleacher, I am in. Uh, because I have sat on so many bleachers and watched so many games. Really, you ought, to be, you ought to get into heaven just for having to watch 8th grade girls basketball. Seriously, I mean really. It, it is horrible. Uh, anyway, um, I've enjoyed the games. I've enjoyed yelling at the referees. I mean, I have enjoyed all of it. I'm, they may not have, but it's been fun. Um, I've enjoyed all of it. I've enjoyed my marriage. Uh, I've enjoyed where I've lived. I've enjoyed preaching. There's a lot about life I like. I, I enjoy an Arby's roast beef sandwich. That's from Jesus, man. That's good stuff. Um, a French dip. Woo, that's even better. Uh, I enjoy stuff. Life's okay. I mean, I like life. But God promises us something better. If for only this life we have hope, there's more. There's, there's something else. And so our Afghanistan brothers and sisters in Christ and those in China and those in Ethiopia and those across the world who surf, suffer persecution and death for their faith, they understand something I think we don't. There's more to, than, to life than just this life. So we lean into God understanding, you know, I might have struggles in this life. Some of you all are having struggles today. Talk to you. You're having struggles. It might be physical struggles, emotional struggles. God knows that. He's aware. Doesn't make Him unaware just because you're struggling. He loves you. He knows. I, I do funerals occasionally and I love those verses where it talks about when we die, we get a glorified body. Man, the older I get, the more I need a glorified body. I, I'm, I, I hurt sometimes. I know you do too. And so there's a promise for something more. When, it say, when we say let's lean into the Lord, what we're saying is there's more to life than just this. We have to understand there's more to life than just this. Uh, something else. We follow God's truth. We live in a world where we're ever being told that my feelings are what directs what I do. If I don't feel like it, or if, if you hurt my feelings, you've done something bad. There is truth and there's not truth. 
There's a truth of God. The Bible says here, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. There's a truth that we need to understand. And when we understand the truth, it helps us know how to live life. Take a baseball umpire, for example. He calls balls and strikes. He calls foul and fair because it's based on rules. If the ball hits on this side of the line, it's fair. If it hits on that side of the line, it's foul. That's how it works. If it hits the line, it's still fair. Any part of the chalk flies up, fair. When you're pitching, there's a strike zone. And he calls them balls and strikes. If it's, if it's in the zone, it's a strike. If it's out of the zone, it's a, it's a ball. It's how it works. If his son is batting, if he is a good umpire, he calls it the same way as if his enemy's son is batting and he calls them balls and strikes because there are rules and we are to follow the rules. The Bible talks about using your heart to guide you. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. And so when we follow the way God has called us to live life, it helps us know how to have peace. Let me give you another piece of advice here. We should Sabbath, and I'm using this as a verb. We've sort of lost the ability, I think, to rest, to take a time out. There's a reason that Sabbathing is in the top ten. You know, God uh, included it in the top ten. And, and Sabbathing is more than just about being at church, although I'm really, really glad you're here. Welcome and glad you're here. Uh, Sabbathing is more than giving a tithe. It's more than um, taking an afternoon nap. Sabbathing is learning to, to rest my, my spirit, my heart. Because God's not scared. He's in control. He knows what's going on. And I can rest because God is in control. I can, I can do that. I can do it. Let me give you another piece of advice got to filter the noise. I didn't say eliminate noise. The only way to really eliminate the noise would be to go to a monastery or you could go like um, off the grid and uh, you could like live in a cave. That would be cool and you could tell me about it. That'd be awesome. But we have to filter the noise. Be still. Kind of goes along with Sabbathing by the way. Just be still for a little bit. And a couple of words of advice. Maybe you need to unplug. Maybe you've heard of the word fasting Typically, we use that with food. I'm going to fast from food, and the time I would spend preparing and eating food, I'm going to focus on God. That's called a fast. Well, maybe we need to fast from technology. Does anybody, some of you are going, oh, uh, that's really scary. It's not really scary. Could you, are you able to, turn your phone off and put it in another room and just go do something else? A half hour or an hour. Just not even look at it. And you're going to say, well, uh, I have to stay in touch. Well, do you? I mean, I like to stay in touch, but I don't have to stay in touch. Um, when I was a kid, I want you to think about this. When I was a kid, we didn't have cell phones. My mother and dad let me get on my bike and go a half mile down to Jackson Park. And I would play all day with my buddy, Mike Wilson, and his Brother Terry, they're both punks, and uh, they'd get me in trouble, and I'd come home, I'd have lunch. Uh, my favorite was peanut butter and pickle. Oh, have you ever had that? That's from God. Anyway, um, sweet pickle, only sweet pickle. The other's just nasty. Uh, and I would uh, have my lunch, and then I'd go back down to the park and play until about six or seven, and come home. Uh, we, we did okay. Look how good I turned out. I mean, we did okay with not being connected all the time. Unplug. 
Another piece of advice would be this. Let me go past this. Lighten up. Maybe you need to lighten your schedule. Some of us are just too stinking busy. We're just too busy. We need to lighten up. Look at what it says in this scripture. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's focus on what we should be focused on. So so the real question is this. Are you okay being quiet? Can you just be quiet with your thoughts for a minute? Let me tell you what's been happening for me every morning. I get up, I I get my Bible, get my cup of coffee, and I go out on my front porch. And we've got hummingbird feeders uh, right there on the front porch. It's really kind of cool. So I read my Bible and I use it, I do it on my tablet. I've got a, I'm trying to, I'm reading through the New Testament. Right now I'm in Hebrews. And um, I read chapter, maybe a chapter a day, something like that, and kind of think about it a little bit, drink my coffee. And then I just sit there and listen. Now, I'm fortunate enough to live kind of out a little bit, and so it's pretty quiet. You can hear some cars a little bit, and sometimes they go up the road, but usually it's pretty quiet. And I've got this one hummingbird who now has become my friend. I need to give him a name. I need to ask Elise to help me with that. This hummingbird, now the feeders are kind of right here. If I'm sitting down, they're right here. And uh, this hummingbird has started, uh, you've been around them, right? They're like drones. Uh, This guy comes, and he comes right here. Like I could slap him, but he's nice, and so I don't want to do that. But he's right here, and he kind of looks at me, but he keeps moving. I think he's afraid I'm going to slap him. And uh, uh, comes up and down, and, and I talk to him. Hey, dude, what's up? Uh, you know, because I don't know how to speak hummingbird, but I'm thinking maybe he understands me. And now, pretty much every day, he's kind of hanging out with me. How cool is that? Now, you want to know how that doesn't happen? If you're not sitting on the porch, hanging out, being alone, and quiet, it doesn't happen. Things like that could happen. God will do things in your life if you just be quiet for a little bit. I want to end with this verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let me, let me shorten that. Don't be anxious about anything, pray about everything. It's easier. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God will provide a peace beyond your understanding that's still within your reach. It's really, really cool. When we abide with God, remember He's not scared. He's in control. He knows my problems. He knows your problems. He knows what's going on. He's got it all under control. If I can abide, I can live in peace. I want to end with a story. There was a a naval operation. There was a commanding officer and he had freshly minted sailors and they were uh, submarine sailors and so he wanted to let them go on an exercise kind of by themselves. Had a couple of guys on the sub that were uh, some, had some experience. But most guys on the sub were, were pretty fresh, pretty new. and So the exercise was pretty simple. Descend to a certain depth, stay there overnight, come back in the morning. Pretty simple. You, you sink... <laughs> You stay, uh, you come back up. And so they did. They, they did it perfectly. They sank, they you descended, they stayed overnight, they came back up. And when they got to the surface, the commanding officer boarded the submarine and he asked them, kind of debriefed, hey, how did it go? And what did you think about the descent? And that kind of thing. And they, they kind of talked to him a little bit. And he said, all right, how did you weather the storm last night? And they were like, we have no idea what you're talking about. 
he said, you know, what's really interesting is there's something called the cushion of the sea. And if you get deep enough under the surface of the water, then whatever's happening on the water really doesn't affect you at all. If you get deep enough, what happens on the surface doesn't affect you. And the picture is this. If we get deep enough with God, if we get, if we get honest enough, if we're truthful enough, if we're dependent enough on Him, if we get deep with Him, if we get mature with Him, then whatever's happening on the surface, and there's a lot of stuff to be worried about, if we get deep enough, we can have peace. Because here's the promise again. God provides peace beyond our understanding, but it's still within our reach. It's such a great a great reality is that God wants us to live in peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If we're, if we're experiencing unpeace, it's not because God wants it, and it's not because God hasn't provided us a way to have peace. We just have to choose to. Father, we thank you for your word today, for how you constantly teach us and challenge us. This was challenging today. Thank you for um, how you love us and how you promise us peace. And Lord, help us to, as we walk out today, be reminded that you are in control and we can live and rest in your peace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.